Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 as you know we've been in this subject of trials right out of the gate with uh james as he opened up but there's a transition now taking place from trials to temptations trials to temptations and really, verse uh, 12 is a transitional verse. It's, a, it's a, a bridge, if you will, from one section to the other where he said, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. That Greek root word is perazo, which is the same root word for trial and temptation. Now, as we transition into this, it's important to make a distinguish, distinguish between trial and temptation. A trial is an external circumstance in your life, some difficulty that you're going through that he had dealt with already in the first few verses, as we've seen Pastor Chris preaching on the last couple of weeks. But now as you get into temptation, you're talking about an inward enticement towards sin, James is concerned with both. When he talks about the crown of life there, it's the Greek word Stephanos. It, it was the victor's wreath. It wasn't the diadem. It was not um, the golden crown that a king would wear. But in their games, in their, their challenges, in their um, competition, in the games of that day, such as the Olympics, they would receive a victor's crown, the one who finished the competition and won and it was really a wreath. And what he's talking about is those who endure through these trials and through these temptations will receive this. Now, every trial carries with it an opportunity for temptation. For instance, if you're going through a financial difficulty in your life, the temptation may be to question God's providential care in your life. Does God really care for me and does He really provide for me? Where you never had that issue before in your life and if things were fat in your life and, and income was coming in, but now all of a sudden you run into a little bit of difficulty and the temptation now is to question whether God's care is providential for you. When a loved one or someone close to you passes away, sometimes we question whether God really loves us. Um, when it comes to the righteous poor not prospering as opposed to the wealthy wicked prospering, we may question or be tempted to question God's justice in the situation. So every, every trial in itself can carry a temptation with it. Now, James is concerned with both. 
uh, in the life of the believer. That's why he comes right out of the gate here. You've got to understand that he's dealing with the Jewish believers that were probably under his pastoral care in Jerusalem. And then when persecution hits, they're scattered everywhere. And that's why in verse 1, it tells us that he's writing to the 12 tribes and the dispersion. Probably started right there at the stoning of Stephen and continued to scatter the Jewish believers there. But whatever it is, they're under intense trials and they're facing many temptations of, of different kinds. Now, James is a practical book. That's why you see the video the way you do. Uh, the intro video talks about the practical stuff in the book of James, but it also carries with it some deep theological truths. And what James is dealing with here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is the theology of temptation. The theology of temptation. I don't know about you, but I've been saved for a long time, pastoring for quite a long time, but I still fall under temptation. How many can agree with that this morning? Okay, the rest of you just lied and you succumbed to the temptation of lying. But some of you were probably under temptation this morning. If you got a smartphone, you're under constant temptation. Even the conservative news groups you see on there, they got these great stories and everything. But on those web pages, they'll have something like so-and-so, some star, you know, she's 50-something years old, but look how she rocks that bikini. And many men will click on something like that. And when they look at that, you can't tell me that their thoughts are pure and right and good. So it doesn't matter where we go in this world. Two things are sure. We are going to face trials of many kinds, but we're also going to face temptations of many kinds. And I'm grateful that James deals with the theology of temptation in these verses because it tells us how it all unfolds. And I'm going to just cover two main points this morning. One is going to be dealing with the pattern of temptation. The pattern of temptation. The other one is going to deal with the protection against temptation. But first of all, when we talk about the pattern of temptation, we're looking at this in James's passage of where he kind of slows everything down for you and me so that we can understand a little bit more as to what's going on. I am thankful and grateful for God's Word. He expects you to read it. He expects me to read it. And for you to take His Word and ingrain it in our hearts so we can learn to live the righteous lives that God has called us to do. When it comes to passages like this, unfortunately, sometimes it takes a preacher just preaching on certain points on how to deal with temptation when you could get this stuff on your own and God expects you to get this on your own. You don't need the latest and greatest book out there with a fancy glittery cover on it, you know, the 10 new ways to fight temptation. God's Word contains it all here for you and I. And you have to learn and settle in your own heart that you're going to learn God's Word on your own. That you're not just going to listen to a preacher on Sunday mornings, but you're going to actually take this book that has everything we need to live in this life and start eating it up yourself and start digesting it into your soul. Amen? So important for you and I. Now, James slows this down a little bit so you can, I, I can understand it. Um, we live in the day of technology where I may be watching a football game. It's usually watching the greatest team on the face of the planet, the Philadelphia Eagles. But um, did I hear a boo? Where's the ushers? Get... 
and I am so grateful for replay because there are some catches that I've seen through the years, usually the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, making these fantastic catches. And you're like, how in the world did he get that? I mean, jumps up one-handed, brings the ball down, barely in bounds, and then all of a sudden they show the replay, and it shows him going up slowly. It shows when he jumped, how many fingers were wrapped on the ball, and how close he was to the out-of-bounds line, and we see exactly how he was able to catch that ball. James slows everything down here so you can understand exactly how temptation works in your life and in my life. And I've given you five words on the pattern of temptation. They're all shun words, and they're all there. Uh, You don't have an element of surprise this morning. They're all there for you in your bulletin. But hopefully this will illuminate to you. Listen to me. In fact, I'm going to stop till you look at me. Hopefully this is going to illuminate to you exactly how the process of temptation works because what James is getting at is he wants you to understand it so it becomes instinctive to you that which happens instantaneously. In other words, when temptation hits us, it happens like that. It happens like that usually. We're not forewarned. We're not, it just comes. Satan is a master of deception. He is a master of surprises, everything else. Um, But we have a desire in our own hearts for leaning towards those things that are contrary to God's will and that can become sinful in our lives. But, but when temptation hits, it comes instantaneously. And what James wants you to do is understand this, digest it, so that when that which comes instantaneously happens, you can respond instinctively according to what God would want you to. So the first word is attraction. Every temptation carries with itself an attraction. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a temptation. Now, he prefaces this by saying, and and really clearing God's name on temptation, because we now live in a culture that wants to blame everything, uh, everybody else for what's going on in their own lives, and they miss the whole point sometimes, and they never grow in the Lord because they won't quit pointing the finger outwardly and look at their own heart. He clears God's name immediately, and he says this. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. God doesn't tempt people. When you fall into temptation, or when you are tempted and you fall into sin, you could never ever point to God as the source of that. Now, there's always three dynamics working in our lives in this world. One is the sovereign activity of God. Two is the malicious activity of Satan. And third is the personal responsibility of the believer. That these three dynamics are always at work in our lives. And there's a personal responsibility. You cannot say that God tempts people because God cannot be tempted himself. And to tempt somebody is an evil act and God does not have it within himself to do that. Now, that being said, I'm going to throw in a parenthetical statement that may not hit you guys exactly right, but nevertheless it is true. God will sometimes bring us to a place of temptation. And his goal is that you would gain victory over whatever's going on at that time, Um, not to succumb to it, because temptations and trials will always strengthen the heart of a true believer. Now, you see this in the life of Jesus, if you don't believe me. 
Jesus in Matthew 4 is filled with the Holy Spirit, and after he's filled with the Holy Spirit, it says in chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Who led Jesus to that point? Who led Jesus to that place? Now, God didn't tempt him, did he? No. But the Spirit of God led him to that place, right? And Jesus, of course, overcame the temptation there. Now, this goes in the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, does it not say, you know, our Father is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and you say it, and then it says, lead us not into temptation. God will never tempt you. His goal for you is to live a victorious life. But unfortunately, sometimes we are led to a place of temptation, and His goal is not for you to fail. His goal is for you to gain the victory because we grow in our faith that way. Do you get that? Yes or no, or I can go further into that. If, all right, so this is important for you to grab. Now, the one who will tempt you is Satan. That's why he's called the tempter. That's why he's called the tempter. But God has given us the Holy Spirit, dwells within us, fills us with the Holy Spirit, and allows you and I to overcome the temptations that you and I used to succumb to. If you are a believer here today and you've been saved for years and you're still succumbing to the same temptations, there is something wrong in your life. If you are not gaining victory over those things that used to cause you to fall, there is something wrong in your life. Now, if God doesn't tempt us, and interestingly enough, Satan is not even mentioned here because he's going to highlight the personal responsibility of the believer here. Who is responsible ultimately? What does he say? But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. It is our own desire that is the source of temptation. Temptations may come in a million different ways and under a million different faces, but ultimately, it is our fallen evil desire that, and sometimes it isn't even Satan. Sometimes it's just you with a greedy heart that needs worked on why you keep doing what you're doing. Amen? Um, so, but the point is this, that it is our desire, our fallen nature. It is something within you, and God gives us a new nature, but it has not arrived yet. We mature and grow. And many of you here today could say amen that you're not falling to the same things you used to do. Now, there's three classic examples in the Old Testament. When it comes to temptation, and even what James is saying here that put flesh exactly on what James is saying. One is Eve in the Garden of Eden. The other one is Achan in the book of Joshua. And then the third classic example is David in the book of 2 Samuel 11, King David. Now, when temptation comes, okay, when temptation comes, it's usually through, characteristically, one of the senses that we have. Many times, it's the eyes, all right? So when you look at Eve in the Garden of Eden, here's what the Bible says in Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw, say that with me, saw, when, now, that's not cutting wood. That's visually 
sing. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate, okay? It began with her seeing, all right? This, this gives really fresh meaning to that term eye candy, all right? Now, you go to the book of Joshua, another classic example, Achan, who stole some of the Lord's stuff. That which belonged to the Lord, Achan stole, and he should have never done that, and because he did that, and because there's a community responsibility for sin, a lot of people got judged on that. One of the things we keep thinking is that sin is personal and there's no community responsibility. I'm going to tell you right now, when sin exists in the life of a believer, it affects a lot of people. It is never just personal. So with Achan, um, God tells Joshua, tells him what's happening. Joshua goes to confront Achan. And here's what it says in 7, Joshua chapter 7, verses 20 and 21. And Achan answered Joshua, this is after Joshua confronted him, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. What does it say? When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, and I coveted them and took them, and see they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. He, just like Eve, saw it, saw it. Now when you get to King David, David was supposed to be fulfilling his responsibility as a king. It was when the kings went to war, the Bible tells us. It was springtime, and he had much work to do in leading Israel to its glory, and he had a real task at hand. But this particular time, he decided to stay back from his responsibility, and what that led to, being in a place he shouldn't have been with, been in, what that led to was him falling into sin. So here's what 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 2 to 5 says. When it happened late one afternoon, when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house, what does it say? That he saw from the roof of a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, uh, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? The wife, the guy's telling David, this is the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. So David sent messengers and took her. Isn't that interesting? The very next phrase says that. Here's some dude telling David, this is somebody's wife. Very next phrase is, boom, he's going for it. So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness, and she returned to her house. And here's the phone call that every man dreads when they're not married and they're out there doing stuff they shouldn't be doing and the woman conceived and she sent and told david i am pregnant there's the phone call actually they didn't have cell phones back then they didn't have phones then but the call comes in now in each case there is an appeal to the senses and, and our desire is triggered. In each one of those cases, there was a desire that was contrary to God's desire that went for that, okay? And so 1 John 2 verse uh, 16 says this, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And so eyes is a biggie with, with people. The eyes and temptation become 
a real source, that sense right there, and that's where the term eye candy comes from. Some people are falling into temptation by buying vehicles that they can't afford. You know, here's the payment, and on and on and on. But the eye candy there, you don't understand. This one has seats that warm your behind. Really, you need that in Imperial Valley? You know, and so they're, they're, you know, you get all this stuff, and that's what every, every advertiser knows that with you. If they can appeal to the eyes. If they can get your eyes, they know they're going to trigger a desire in you to bite on that, all right? And so we see this all the time, and, and, and the personal responsibility is yours, nobody else's. Flip Wilson was the one who popularized that statement, the devil made me do it. That's not what the Bible says. It's not even close to what the Bible says. The, the devil may tempt you, but the devil never held the gun to your head and said, go for that go for this, go for that. Never. And so the temptation, right, it begins right here in your own desires, all right? Personal responsibility, you have to own up to it and you have to recognize it. And so the desires of the flesh, like money and power, are responsible for much corruption in our world. And I quoted this to the church in Brawley when I preached up there at 8 o'clock this morning. I said, Philo, he was an author and philosopher. He was a contemporary of Jesus. He was born in 20 B.C. and he lived to 50 A.D. So he lived at the time of Jesus. And here's what he said. It's very interesting how he would write this because it's really a lot of what the Bible says. But his own observations in the world, he says, for all the wars of the Greeks and barbarians between themselves or against each other are sprung from one source, desire, the desire for money or glory or pleasure. These it is that bring disaster to the human race. And he's right. So first thing is attraction. You got to know when, you know, that sin is dressed really hot and winking at you and things like that, you got to know that it's trying to grab your attention. doesn't matter what it is. Your, your sin could be very different than somebody else's. You're, you're, uh, um, you're prone to sin in certain areas. Some of you right now may be dealing with pornography. You know, and every time you see a little picture of somebody in a bikini, that triggers you to go right to it. Others of you, you may be, have a greed in your heart and, and you've stolen. I mean, I can't tell you through the years how many parents have come to me and said their kids ripped them off big time. Some of you may be dealing with drugs. You're just coming out of the addiction of drugs. And, and even watching some film at the methadone clinic of some guy shooting up is going to send you back to the street slamming dope. You got to remember, it begins with that attraction, but then secondly, it's deception. Look at what it says right there. When he is lured and enticed by his own desire. You know what he's doing? James is bringing up a metaphor right now, and it is a fishing metaphor. Some say it's also dealing with hunting, but they fished, and James was very familiar with fishing back in that day. And whether it was a hook and putting bait on a hook or, or um, uh, you know, a lure, whatever it may be, he's saying that this is what happens to fish. They get lured in. It's, you know, there's no such thing as an honest fisherman. They're all deceivers. <laughs> when, when, when the men's ministry goes out uh, fishing on the half-day boat or whatever in San Diego, that boat that day is going to be filled with a bunch of deceivers. 
There, there's never been an honest fisherman catch a fish because he lied and deceived the fish. He, he puts bait on a hook. Why does he cover the hook? And, you know, there's the minnow lure, and the fish is like, man, that kind of looks weird. But, you know, and, you know, Ron Mastin, before he went to be with Jesus, he was here at the foundation of the church and the launch of the church, and, and he used to love to fly fish. And he'd go up to Oregon fly fishing, and he'd tell me how he'd make these flies. He'd say, you know, I'd make them all with just a little bit of a, a different color to it. I may shape it just a little bit different because when I get up there, I want a tackle box full of flies, and he throws out the flies, and he says, if they ain't biting on one thing, I'll find a fly that they're going to bite on. Listen, Satan has thousands and thousands and thousands of lures and flies in his tackle box. And he knows there's something that's going to attract you. He just knows it. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro. Or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977